Episode three. Episode three. Episode three of, of the future uh, is Ow. Ow! By the way, I'm never gonna stop doing that. That's it's good. No, it'll be like your thing. It'll be like a catchphrase. <laughs> it'll be like our little bit that we do. I need. I feel like the future and the present is so painful that I need to let out an owl. It's kind of like a, a therapy for me. Yeah, to like it reminds me of this episode. Overall. I remember. I remember there was an episode of MythBusters where they. They they did a they tested like are can you are you better able to withstand pain if you're like if you can do swears while you're doing huh. it, so they had um. Uh, they they stuck their hands in like buckets of ice water, mm-hmm. and then like one of them one group was allowed to swear, and say curse words, and the other couldn't swear, and then they tested how long like each group was able to hold their hands submerged in the ice water, and I think they determined that like. The more vile and, uh, uh, you know, disgusting your swear words, the better able you're able to, uh, you know, withstand the, the slings and arrows. Interesting. Life. So does that explain why, like, in the mornings I just curse just fervently for, like, an hour to get through the day? I don't know if I can quite extend the scientific findings of the Mythbusters <laughs> to your specific brand of, uh, uh, you know, manic mutterings and ravings but uh probably might have something to do with it sounds like a yes to me you know it's (laughs) (laughs) it's funny uh apparently i I loved mythbusters growing up it was like my favorite show like back when discovery channel was cool oh yeah discovery channel but like um apparently they hated each other like there was something that came out after the show was canceled they were like like, the oasis of science (laughs) science (laughs) (laughs) educational television yeah fucking adam savage and jamie heineman Yeah. yeah Jamie, uh, Adam Savage has like a popular podcast now, I think. Really? Yeah, my brother listens to it. What's I it think. about? I for science, like just the same shit. Yeah. Like building stuff. What's up with Jamie, Jamie Heineman or Carrie? Okay, so Carrie, Carrie and the, who's the Asian guy? Grant? Grant. Some, yeah. Grant Imahara. Dude, flashbacks <laughs> to all this <laughs> yeah. shit. But no, they randomly had like. They and had Tori. Tori. Yeah, Tori didn't get a lot of love. He was like the bro. Yeah, well, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, he was a little bland. Like he was a little. Yeah, he was like a little white bread. Yeah, there was like a love interest sort of between Tori and like the the girl. What's her name? Carrie. Uh, Carrie, Carrie that, with like, the red feel, hair dye. Like they never acknowledged. It was kind of like Link. There was sexual and Zelda tension, where yeah. it was like. Well, that's you very knew acknowledged. That, Link and Zelda is hot. She he never gets a kiss though. Spoiler alert. Unrequited. Um, so far. But yeah, but no, they had like the the side the B side of of MythBusters. They had like a a, a knockoff show, like a spinoff show on Netflix a couple of years ago. I forget what it was called, but it just like sucked really bad. Dude, that's like when they tried to do Top Gear. Yeah, and it's with the American, with like the Australian dude and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, you can't recreate the magic of like seeing the MythBusters on Discovery Channel in like four by three, four by three aspect ratio on like your (laughs) like big tube television in your basement. Yeah. Maybe I'm projecting. Well, but dude, yeah. but you—I mean, you're a history buff, right? Do you remember? I feel like when I was a kid, I spent so much time on the History Channel, like watching documentaries oh, totally, and shit. Dude. 
And then somewhere around high school time, it just all became like Kardashians, but for like ice road truckers and like yeah, pawn store Kardashians owners and for stuff. like uh, like pensioner dads and like yeah like dads on disability who are just like yeah watching yeah they lost the plot i mean clearly they had like a hard a hard scrabble ceo come in and just like fire everyone and say like we're turning this around like we're we're gonna make some money out of it because i used to stay home when i would stay home from school and i was sick Uh i used to watch like history channel all day and there would be like civil war stuff like about the battle of of little round top and mm-hmm. there'd be like reenactments and then like nazi gold was like as lascivious as it got right like hunting nazi gold nazi submarines and now it's like the closest you the it's like it's like the, the window has flip-flopped where it's like nazi speculative nazi shit used to be like as as zany as they get now that's like the closest to history they get right, and exactly. like the furthest the furthest extent is just like full on uh you know like yeah i don't even know it's what like they, reality tv i mean it's yeah. all like reality, yeah, TV, reality TV stuff granted there's some good stuff you know ice road i'll watch ice road truckers i'll watch some deadliest ice catch and deadliest shit. catch rock deadliest catch was like the first like tradesman reality tv like here's some That's a good point yeah doing a trade and you just get to watch them also it was very fun because it they would bring up the cr- the big cages and you'd be like, well, there'll be a lot of crabs in it. Well, there'd be very few. <laughs> and then you can tell like that, you you know, you're sitting on the couch and you see it come out of the water and you're like, that's a good catch. Yeah. That's going to be a good catch. And then they would do the weight and then they were always like smoking cigarettes and like drinking di- Mountain Dew and shit. That was a cool show. Also, there was like some risk of death involved. So that always spices right. it up. I guess that's um, true. I mean, like, yeah, it is like in that context it's like it's a cool like little glimpse into it's certainly Americana, not history but, but that's the point yeah that's why i was like oh yeah i want up. my hit i want my fucking civil war reenactments back. yeah well back. you know can be remiss about but uh today n- not history well it's history in the making got history a lot of me. like juicy um potential future is out topics for today yeah, we got a lot of we got a we got a packed show for you today folks um also little housekeeping before we start Sorry that the last two episodes are were uh, uh, riddled with just minutes of dead air from us not talking into the microphone. If you could see us now, <laughs> dear oh, listener, man. if you could see us now. In we, our multi-thousand dollar studio that we've We are rented. in our podcasting uh, fortress where we have <laughs> surrounded by tens of thousands of dollars of the finest audio equipment that money can buy, courtesy of our uh, of our mysterious backers <laughs> may or may not be the chinese government <laughs> um but we did uh, the, the upshot is i literally i do i did get a little uh a mic stand that clips to mac's desk so i won't talk while the mic is sitting in my lap anymore um which might help but um so yeah that's just, just think it should be a make for a more pleasant listening experience but we're gonna start things off this week with uh just like a couple quick hits of uh the future is out you may say is the future out is the future gonna hurt and sting me and you know i i we've had some listener feedback and some people have said guys why so negative why are you so down in the dumps all the time the future you know you never know what the might maybe it's wow hold. the future could be wow that's a great wow stay tuned for the future as wow um, it's our sister podcast it's our sister <laughs> podcast yeah we're, we're working on it we're trying to find some new podcasting talent. it's like the day i dye my hair blonde oh w- it could happen but yeah let's well, maybe uh if we split up we could do it that way 
But uh, in the meantime, the future, as far as I see, is out. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, exhibit A in this, um, in in my case here, is a uh, um, a story that was put out in the Financial Times uh, last week. Um, title of which is um, it's sort of a bit of editorial from Sarah O'Connor. Workplace surveillance may hurt us more than it helps. Uh, subhead: Many employers are monitoring staff. Some deciding who's a superstar. And who's slacking off? That's a quote. Um, so yeah, so the, the the thrust of this story is that um, Amazon Web Services, who we talked about last episode, um, who's like they're just cloud computing arm of Amazon, mm-hmm. um, is unveiling some workplace surveillance tools that they're touting as a potential stem on like COVID workplace transmissions. Um, so the 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 general gist of which is that like by essentially surveilling every every square inch of a workplace they could identify with you know machine learning or what have you or just pure surveillance uh you know who where maybe workers are clumping up over the course of the day um and thereby like perhaps becoming in uh close quarters that are conducive to the spread of covid or where like maybe you see a bunch of staff members are like putting their masks down around their chin so you could you could you could uh chastise them um but uh yeah so from the article here's a quote there's also the possibility um break unquote for this uh technology that amazon web services is unveiling which again is just like a means of analyzing surveillance video and telling an employer telling a company uh like scraping data from it and saying like here you can identify x or y worker who's done this breach of our protocol or you can identify broader trends like in this corner of the of the shop floor people tend to bunch up because like there's a bunch of stuff that people need over there so maybe you could move where it is um okay back into the quote there is also the possibility of mission creep, a testimonial on the AWS Panorama website from guitar maker Fender enthused, quote, we can track how long it takes for an associate to complete each task in the assembly of a guitar so that we're able to optimize efficiency and track key metrics, unquote. The comment has now been deleted from the site, end quote, from Financial Times. So there's a little bit of a sketchy paradigm that seems to be shaping up wherein um, companies are like... Uh, raving about the sort of reintroduction of like uh like turn of the century taylorism where <laughs> like right. employees would were like had ever they would like swing a hammer 10 like eleven thousand times a day to knock in one single nut on the assembly line and then like it was determined that like swinging the hammer takes 1.3 seconds and if your metrics are bad you're fucked and you're fired right so uh um, there's a little more from this article, but I don't know. I mean, wh- this seems like right up your alley in terms yeah. of your, uh, your, uh, you know, surveillance uh, skepticism. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I read that article too, and it's like it's interesting because I've been like following Amazon for a while, and this is just like very par for the course for them. Where it's like they, like for a long time, for example, like at the warehouses, they have like um, buzzers on people to like see like if they're like you know not working as fast as they should and like a bunch of things of like you know flashing lights to tell them where to go and stuff really like autumn like turning the person into a robot but at the same time like i you know i think it's worth saying to give them like the little credit that's that's due not just amazon or anyone else but it is true that like during covid like 
the workplace for those who have to are essential workers and have to work it is like a huge place of transmission for 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 covid and it's like it's understandable to like want to like find ways to reduce that but i think as like i'm sure you know jonah and like is evidence through this article is that like if that's the way they're pitching it it's really if you dig a little bit below the surface it's this is going to outlive like the pandemic right it's obviously, it's way much obviously. more for like you know, being they were just like oh goody like now we can dress this up right it's like draconian workplace you know uh surveillance meth- methodology or we can dress this up in like the guise of like combating the spread of covid like, right you know what i mean it's like clearly like they didn't just start working on this right like, exactly months ago you know yeah and it's like tying into another piece of news too it's like this is a couple weeks ago or like last week that it came out that like uh some of the delivery drivers for amazon um they had like uh they're putting cameras into like somewhere in the dashboard so that like mm-hmm. you can monitor them at all times and it like through like artificial intelligence they're able to like tell whether someone is like speeding whether or not they're using like a like quote like um if they're driving unsafely if, if they're, they're not drifting, wearing a seatbelt are they drifting are they engaging the e-brake in order to drift around corners yeah are like are they <laughs> are they fucking like eating cheetos or some shit while they're doing it? you know all this stuff which is yeah. like you know it's, it's not just... it's not necess- there's the thing is that all this stuff is like if you're not looking too closely you can write it off as like safety and all these other things which it kind of can be but like at least in this case right there's like other reporting that came out by cnbc that was saying that like for example with the surveillance in the vans that like they can use that same uh image recognition to like be used against the workers to fire them right absolutely and so yeah and uh, again from this ft article i mean they they mentioned as well that walmart filed a patent recently for the use of for sound sensors that they would put next to cashiers that they would just be audio like monitoring the audio in order to determine this is a quote from the patent uh the patent application determine a performance metric for the employee based on audio data so right. like what the fuck does that mean? i guess like how cheery you sound at right. work like if people are are, are are snickering at you um well you know and but, but but i guess the thing that is like upsetting about this and the thing that they that uh um is driven home at the end of this article is that all of these like as you were saying like okay like wh- why is it bad if like making sure that like delivery drivers aren't like texting or like speeding or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like sure like on an individual level if it was only that and just that and you could be assured that it was just like making sure that like truck drivers don't speed like fine but a it will it's only like setting a precedent that will uh that will be borne out to just eliminate all uh like uh autonomy and um you know just like ability for human beings to use their own brains to do their jobs right and from this article i'll read a, a quote of the last graph a body of research suggests that com- jobs that combine high demands concentration requirements workload time pressure and low control discretion to make decisions and schedule one's own work are ruinous for human health our metabolic cardiovascular and neuroendocrine systems produce short-term responses to stressful situations but when the stress is chronic, it can damage our bodies or tempt us to self-medicate. One study in the U.S. published last year found that people in high-demand jobs with low control were more likely to die than people in high-demand jobs with high control. Yeah. So basically, like, this shit is just squeezing the life out of people. Sure. It, and that's, like, obviously, like, you know, like a 
a big statement, but it is like just in general, like when you're talking about like surveillance of people, it's like that is like a through line of that like people. If you're be- if you feel like feel you're like on, shit, if yeah. you yeah, if you feel like you're being watched all the time while you're doing your work, it's not good. And and I guess like the only other thing too is that like Amazon's a good focus point in this. But what's worth noting is that like it, during the pandemic, one of the things that really has been kind of lost in a lot of the conversation is that because everyone's a lot of people who are like, for example, working at like kind of professional jobs where they're like behind a computer even and also like people who are working like working class jobs like the amount of surveillance is kind of unprecedented that's going on now in the workplace like there's even like and then we can move on but this is something that i was following recently at schools like at universities and stuff um because like you can't have like a proctor like watching people take tests Mm -hmm. there's been a huge uptick in like universities using um like digital proctoring tools which are essentially like their malware they're like malware that like the the school like opts to like download onto people's computers and like it can log all your keystrokes it has like access to your webcam so it can like see like you know if there's someone in the room next to you and like the way they generally work is that all those little things that could be cheating are like marked up as like a a point and then like at the end of your test like all those points are like added up by the algorithm and then sent to the school to be like this is the percentage likelihood that this person was cheating and a lot of places like there's a bunch of cases where people have their entire tests like thrown out and you know obviously for many reasons it's fucked but like for example just to like really highlight how stupid it is like I, you can't see because this is audio, but like next to me, right? There's like a poster with like a person's face on it. Um, and it's actually a monkey wearing it's a monkey, but there's like imagine that like I have like a photo of like my my niece or something there. The way these algorithms work is that like it will just detect that there's a face there and it won't know it's a poster, and so it will think that like there's a person there potentially helping you, so that that will count as a strike. And there's many things like that to where it's like these things. And the thing all is, add but up. this is even like a separate question because it's like even if it was perfectly accurate, right? And it was not subject to error, it's fucked up and and it's bad in its own right because like people shouldn't be like you know kept like bugs under a glass, you know, like yeah, you know, it, it's it's deleterious to people's like uh, mental and physical health, and also I think it engenders bitterness and defiance when you're like not even given the slightest modicum of trust or responsibility and you're just like no we're watching you we're you're under a magnifying glass because we don't trust you to do anything yeah and if you're gonna treat people like robots like you might as well automize you know what i mean it's like it's you're really just like harming the person um so switching a little bit jonah um what do you think about the fact that in nevada Yes. If you're a high tech company, you can essentially now become a independent state. Well, yes. This is this has been something that's been proposed but not yet passed into law. But um Nevada has pa- has proposed a bill that would allow tech companies to just essentially create their own little fiefdoms mm-hmm. <laughs> in, so like, great. in the desert. Um I'll read now from the AP. Democratic Governor, Democratic Governor, let the record show, Steve Sisolak announced a plan to launch so-called innovation zones in Nevada to jumpstart the state's economy by attracting technology firms. The Las Vegas Review Journal reported Wednesday. Um, so the upshot of this is that, um, you know, 
if you if you paid any attention or looked at all into like you know um the the sordid world of, of local politics especially insofar as attracting investment and jobs uh or just firms to one's area um goes there's a lot of gross glad handing and uh you know um in incentives in the forms of like saying hey we just won't tax you at all and you can come here and not pay any which taxes. is like the key example there right is like in new york a couple years ago like they were trying yeah. to attract amazon for their next warehouse and like truly in like the most like just like self-masturbatory way like the empire state building was like glowing amazon's colors yeah, like so as a way to attract them in yeah, bill, bill de blasio is just like yeah, literally just like in heat, basically, with his like a gigantic baboon ass shooting out, just praying for Amazon to come and, you know, inseminate us with their with their high tech <laughs> jobs in Long Island City or whatever. Which is why it's like And big kudos, kudos to uh, you know, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who's I think one of her you know, one of her first like victories as a public person was sort of leading the uh the charge in local local new york politics to get that squash yeah i think you can debate like how much of a role she really played in that Um, significant if small part i think amazon you know in their case it seems like you know they did the math and they were like it's just not really worth it for them to deal with the headache of like people being upset with them so they were just like fuck it there's plenty of other cities that will like gladly accept our tax breaks tripping over each other to take it um but uh at least like you know i think a lot of people like de blasio is ready to go right almost certainly ready to sure what uh amazon i mean it is like it speaks to a broader thing right you're from pittsburgh right like and like i'm from texas and from houston but austin is like somewhere i i really cherish and both those cities kind of fall into the same category where it's like they've seen really untold like economic development in the last 20 years but a lot of it is based off of like the bringing in of like tech companies and like they've made so many like like anything because it doesn't generate tax revenue that is used for stuff that people think like these big businesses coming in like oh that's gonna be a boon to like schools and public infrastructure and stuff it's like no these companies don't pay any taxes what they do is they bring in a bunch of people you know, they hire people who come here to work and they get a nice salary. And I guess, yeah, sure, they pay income tax, but then they just live in gentrified enclaves. <laughs> Not you know? in Texas. Well, probably, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but generally, though, I think, like, why, like well, to be clear, the Nevada thing, it's very unlikely to well, pass. Let's, well, let's, right. let's, well, yeah, okay, let me, let me, let me uh, charge ahead to give a little more background. So, what this, uh, what's being proposed in Nevada is creating zones that would permit tech companies to come in and what they would be able to do is form governments that were equal in their like power to legislate Mm -hmm. to the democratically elected governments municipal governments elsewhere in the state but instead and this is reading now from the ap again these governments formed by fiat by tech companies would have quote the same authority as counties including the ability to impose taxes Form school districts and courts and provide government services. So you would essentially have like tech companies coming in and yeah, literally, I don't know, having private, like private government services. You would live under a tech company that you would be paying taxes to a private enterprise. You know what it reminds me of like as as a visual is like, you know how like in, in, in in, like in Mexico, they have like this whole like, 
like these like little like sub communities of like Mormons who live in Mexico, like in, in gated off communities, and like they they're they essentially live like independent of the state. They have their own laws and their own like they all speak English and they're all white. Like it's yeah. kind of like that, but like within but like a Nevada, but with like a bunch like, of tech bros. Yeah, but not only it's not just like a self governing community of a bunch of like minded people doing their own thing. It's presumably people working for tech companies who instead of having living under democratically elected local government their government is a fucking company for which they work and they right. have no leverage over whatsoever yeah and you're paying taxes in your school the school that you're presumably sending your kids to is uh you know being run by the company that you work for <laughs> it seems very cool i don't know to me it seems like nothing could possibly go wrong and yeah as you said um these are uh this is something that i guess is unlikely to pass but it's something that is being uh you know uh offered up as a as a potential um remedy to i guess whatever nevada's uh economic uh, woes may be at this current moment yeah but the fact that like that's being that anyone any state or any like state level official could present that as a possible thing that we could do with a straight face and not be like tarred and feathered is deeply deeply troubling well that's like and i totally for the record don't subscribe to this idea but i've heard it (laughs) but but i've heard like said that it's like it kind of it's almost like refreshing that it's so just like blatantly explicit because it's like in a lot of other places like most of california right which is like a quote very progressive state it's like tech companies rule the fucking land there and like they get to make their own laws like de facto laws anyway it's like how many times has uber or fucking google just charged ahead with shit that's like not actually passed by law but they just get the which was like a big thing uh a big to do a couple months ago is a great example of that with them just like cramming through with like massive um like a massive pr campaign essentially a bill to uh, uh, you know like in in surf workers uh that work for them uh for eternity uh, in in the sense that people who work full-time for these companies are not considered employees and therefore aren't entitled to benefits that employees used to be entitled to but rather they're just like gig workers right yeah that is i think like if there's ever if there's a trend here it's just that like every job that used to be a job You'd get a fixed term and some maybe some benefits and like a contract and maybe even God, you know, dare I even say a union. It's just like, no, you're like a you're a you're a merc like you're a hired gun. Yeah, it's going to be like that's (laughs) that started with pizza drivers. And like before long, it's going to be fucking. Yeah. You know, it's going to be doctors and everything else. So for all of you naysayers who said that we were being unnecessarily pessimistic, here's uh, some case points for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, guys, isn't that, doesn't that sound cool? <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, anyway, you'll, you'll be able to live in uh, Night City uh, before you know <laughs> it, and it'll be bug-free because it will be literally the real world. Um, so that's some cool stuff. But uh, okay, so those are our quick hits. Um, but we're going to move on right now into uh, – you know, instead of the land of the future, the land of the what may be, let's move into the here and now. Let's move into uh, the here and now. The here and now. Let's move into. Uh, let's take a big step through the beaded curtain into Joe Biden's America, baby. Joe Biden. 
Joe Biden. We're living in Joseph Robinette Biden's America. I don't know if you did something feel different. I don't know. Has the air felt freer, fresher, more? It feels dewy? Like a little stale. It feels stale. It smells it like, like mothballs. Yeah. It used to smell like a, like just um, I don't Lube. know. It smells to smell like <laughs> cigarettes and. Yeah, and just like whatever when you go when you if you've ever been in a casino and you wake up the next morning and just in your own clothes and you just reek of like cigarettes and urinal cakes. That's what it smelled like for the longest time. Now it's like not it's a little more wholesome, but it still doesn't smell great. Yeah, I'm before we go into I am like reminded of like there's this like fucking one of Joe Rogan's specials. This was right after Trump was like elected. He had this point. It's just like a comedian point, right? But it's funny that like. (laughs) <laughs> that you know we had like with the obama years it was like this eight years of like the at least the demeanor right not policy this like poised like sort of like well-spoken thing and that you had it's like essentially shebang, having yeah. like a you know like the 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 nice like calm girlfriend but then all of a sudden we wanted the whore and like you went to <laughs> you went to fucking trump who was just like tits out like fucking like lambasting everything and like now we're switching back and we've got like uh you know i guess the we want, maybe we want a nice end. girl yeah we want a nice girl again in the form of uh, yeah shuffling mummy joe biden so yeah, mild okay. dementia. yeah well that remains to be seen how mild it is but um so yeah i guess like we touched on a little bit last time um the fact that you know we've we've suddenly the 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 trump era ended i was gonna say not with a bang but but with a whimper but it sort of was a bit it was a huge bang it was a bit of a bang but now trump's gone and you know i think we're all sort of trying to find our feet in this new reality so i think it'd be cool to just go through a little bit um it's now been like three weeks that biden's been in office and just do some just do a little checkup on our guy let's put the let's put the stethoscope to his back um, have him cough for us maybe we'll have him <laughs> squat down and uh cup his uh cup his testicles yeah and see how he's doing so, so so yeah so we pretty much we were going to break this up into i mostly cover like the tech side of things and jonas more in the weeds of like you know um like policy pull back the curtain eh, well why don't we have a little mystery yeah well okay That's we'll leave it enough. up to mystery but um jonah why don't you tell me a little bit about what's going on just like in terms of like the hard politics and like the policy the hard, of shit going the hard on politics the nuts and bolts so yeah let's talk about it i mean so i was doing i was doing some digging looking up um you know what what our man what uncle joe uh has in store for us and like part of, part of the thing i guess like for me to put this in perspective was to go back to obama and see like what his business uh entailed in his first couple weeks and the thing that struck me was this like compared to biden who a lot of people including me were making a lot of a lot of hay about how right-wing he is um you know his eulogizing and uh hagiographies of like strom thurmond (laughs) back in the day and uh you know just triumph who was like a very conservative like Strom Thurmond being the, the fucking arc segregationist racist senator um of the you know civil rights era who Biden spoke at his Biden literally gave him a eulogy at his funeral and has claimed him as a as a homie um whatever but uh Biden is just being like a generally pretty right-wing democrat um so I was like surely you know his his progressive agenda will pale in comparison to that of of you know progressive luminary barack obama's 
And yet, like, <laughs> when you hold him side by side, Obama looks looks like fucking Ronald Reagan compared to uh, compared to Uncle Joe. All right. So, yeah. So, but anyway, compared to Obama, Biden is not nearly as a uh, revanchist. I mean, as you might expect, um, for one, like uh, who Obama, like just to review some of Obama's picks when he came into office off with a massive mandate, like Obama's victory over John McCain was not a squeaker. Um, like he came in with a pretty solid mandate on his hope and change, uh, flack, and his secretary of defense, for instance, was Bob Gates, who was like a former, A, a Republican, just straight up, um, and was the DOD, uh, or was rather the secretary of defense under Bush and also like a major Reagan flack, which is where he got his start um, and had a lot to do, a lot of fingers in the pies um, that were coming out of the oven of Iran-Contra. Um, so Obama just like sort of uh, off the cuff was like, I guess, whatever, wanting to do the bipartisan tip right. was starting off with some pretty skeezy characters from the right wing canon of our country, despite, I guess, whatever no noises he was making towards progressivism. Um, One little can I just jump just a quick little thing there, too. It's like sure. I'm reminded of like um, there was this book, one of the Bob Woodward books about like the, the Obama presidency is called like Obama's Wars. And it kind of goes into that specifically about, like, at least the way he put it with his reporting was that, like, during the transition period, like, for for example, like, putting Hillary Clinton on as Secretary of State and, like, a lot of these yeah, other Republicans that, that he put on, it at least from the reporting, it seems like there was, like, a lot of, like, hesitance to do that. But, like you were saying, there was this, like, commit, like, supposed commitment to, like, be bipartisan which drove a lot of that but go ahead that was just yeah i mean well but, but robert gates in particular i mean robert gates was he was from the bush era he was from the bush era but before that he was from a he was a reagan guy who played a significant role in around contra and he was the deputy director of the cia in the nine in 1984 i think it was and he was one of the like main hawks in the reagan white house to advocate bombing nicaragua in order to overthrow the the democratically elected sandinista government and that was later where we would fund um you know iran contra being the thing that we did where we sold weapons uh to iran uh and then use that money to fund like right-wing death squads yeah. is the point you're trying to make jonah in general that like obama was not as liberal necessarily as like the common parlance would like suggest. i think that's a point i'm very clearly making because if you were obama if you were the hope and change liberal you wouldn't probably put the guy majorly in charge of iran <laughs> iran contra one of like the blackest marks on our you know on our nation's foreign policy and reputation abroad in the past 40 years also something that was an avowedly right-wing and republican sort of 
project right why would you put those people in your in your cabinet and and the list goes on like the reason and this is i'm not trying to shit on i mean i am but this isn't like a i'm not trying to do a like this isn't just a let's go through the laundry list of obama's sins but um i mean i think the defining thing of obama's certainly his first term was the financial crisis and the people that he put in charge of the treasury and and his um his sort of economic suite of advisors included I mean, these are names that will be familiar to anyone who's familiar with the period or was like, growing up during that time, or Timothy Geithner, who, again, was a Republican, head of the New York Fed. And Geithner was one of, like, the main um, impresarios of the bailout. I mean, I, I this is an oversim- oversimplification that I think a lot of people have made, but it does it, it is fundamentally correct that Obama did choose to bail out banks rather than bail out homeowners who were underwater on mortgages that they were you know sort of erroneously led to believe they could afford um and there's been a lot of assessment in the years since that you know much of the stagnant recovery of our economy in the years since 2008 a lot of the you know social dislocation that came from millions i mean perhaps not millions but certainly tens if not hundreds of thousands of people losing their homes um is, is can be traced back to this like critical moment. Can, can I just step in for a second? Right. The reason why step, I asked like such in. a such a like obvious question that I said before was like because like Jonah like you and I talk all the time about this type of stuff. So like I understand where you're coming from, but I think it's worth like making explicitly clear because like people I know who listen to this and like I think a lot of people in general who are like not as versed in like you know more like leftist literature. The point you're making here, which is I None think a, this is a, a right literature. one, I'm just that talking like about Obama history. is like a is like a more right wing than like he's a very right wing president my point is like i think i think it's worth like like making that clear because for most people like a lot of people i know that would be like so antonym right because it's like they see they see that obama was like you know um and you know you disagree with this right but it's like in just like the clear takeaways right it's like obama was in charge of like obamacare like obama was there which with, like, was all what was obamacare other, I, I know but like all <laughs> these other, like, right-wing these other, heritage like, quote, it was a it was pulled from the heritage the point, foundation the point, right and like we know these things but my point is right like, but that's worth, an like, important ex- thing to... ex- explaining because like yeah, for well, most people it's like they associate obama with like super liberal so like, yeah but this is my point mac and this is what i'm saying like we're not gonna this we're not talking this episode about we're not going to do a deep dive in the into the entire Obama presidency, right. but I think the point stands. And if you're interested in this, there's a lot of reading you could do about it. That Obama operated from a very right wing frame, and I think he const- he constrained his own um, presidency and his own um, mandate to like a, a very like constricted idea of what was possible and started from a a fundamentally conservative like a starting point and did not venture very far um in the direction of like the grassroots movement that elected him um i would suggest like if if listeners are like interested in this like do some reading on this on your own like for sure because like also you know I i think from the base level it's like you have to like you're not wrong, right? But it's just a complex. It's a complex thing because at the same time, all that is true. But at the same time, it's like you also had the Tea Party start during Obama, and you had like I agree with you. you can always go was, like, further, right? I agree with I, you. I mean, it's quite right wing, but I think that like wrong. it's also the case that like you had like quote conservative backlash against him, like 
more than you had a lot of other Democratic presidents. So there's like a lot of things going on. At the this same is not. Time. The, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that there was no context, but it's just like simply the fact is that Obama was not attempting anything like that e- by in today's political context would look even remotely progressive. Like right. he was a very center, if center left at all. Uh, politician and i don't think that's just simply not controversial frankly sure. it so, really isn't so, so tell me how this relates with well I, new, I have a few more leader i will i have a few more quick hits so another as i was trying to say timothy geithner who was the um who was the secretary of the treasury um under obama oversaw bailouts one of the major architects of the financial uh, of the approach to the, or of the approach to redress the financial crisis under obama um, and whatever you make of that, I mean, you can lay that at his feet. One of his <laughs> main, um, uh, you know, operatives was Larry Summers, who was the director of the National Economic Council under Obama, got his start under Reagan, um, worked for Clinton, where he was like a one of the principal figures in the sort of privatization of the Russian economy after the fall of the Soviet Union, which, again, is a very uh, licentious story, if you care to look into it. Um but uh, it's neither here nor there. Uh, Summers is like a pretty, in my view, and I won't uh, editorialize for anyone but myself, but a pretty contemptible character. Um, although someone with like a pretty storied background on Wall Street. And he was the president of Harvard for a while. Too, he was right? president of Harvard. And you know what? He took $25 million from Jeffrey Epstein when he was president of Harvard and uh, even gave him a private office on Harvard's campus. By the way, this will probably come up in future podcasts, but Jonah is, like, in the Epstein fucking well. I had Epstein brain for a minute, but I've, I've, I've transcended Epstein brain. Um, I now have Epstein nervous system. <laughs> it's, 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 I've gone through the looking glass, folks. Um, but nonetheless, that, that, that's true. Um, as the NEC director, Summers was a key financial decision maker for. I, I'm so, I know I'm still talking about Obama, but this is important uh, for what I guess I'm going to try to say about Biden, which you'll be surprised. Um, <laughs> Summers was the he was the quote from the 2010 New York Times article policy impresario uh, of the Obama administration as far as economic matters were concerned, and Obama was quote thrilled with the work he was doing um, as of 2010. Um, and one of his main, uh, one of the main scalps that Summers took was um, making sure that the Obama administration bargained down the size of the stimulus that they wanted to do after the financial crisis from 1.8 trillion to like a several hundred billion, um, so almost halving it. Um, and then it also came out, of course, that Summers was taking uh, like multi-million-dollar speaking fees. Um, and donations from Wall Street banks who were going to be, you know, you know where this goes. Um, so be it. Okay. The reason I bring Summers up is that he's now back in the mix and he's one of the main people, although this time getting a lot of fucking flack for trying to negotiate down Biden's uh, COVID relief bill from $1.9 trillion to something closer to what the Republicans wanted, which was, I think the Republicans, I think were saying the 600 number 600 billion. billion. Yeah. So less than a third of what, Ob- of what Biden was um, hoping to pass. And Summers is, you know, uh, whispering sweet nothings in the, in Biden's ear to that very same effect in the same way as last time. Although I don't think this time he's getting anywhere, anywhere near as much uh, clout because 
I think a lot of people, even in the sort of centrist policy blob, have seen that doing too little is like, and especially when, I mean, right now, interest rates, interest rates are as low as they've ever been. Inflation is like as low as it's been in a very long time. The question of like injecting too much money into the economy, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but the, the risks associated with that are about as anodyne as they've ever been. And yet Summers is still someone who's in here. And I think like the only reason I, I, I go to such great lengths to bring this up is just that there's this like fucking this just like uh, center of gravity that just keeps some of people, no matter how badly they fuck up or no matter how the consequences of their opinions, uh, no matter what they are, they just like keep getting rung. They keep getting their fucking phones buzzed to come back in and call shots for, you know, uh, <laughs> whichever liberal president, you know, makes his way into office. Um, we can move on into some more specific stuff, Mac, unless you had, did you have something? I mean, yeah, I, I, there is like a couple things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe I'll save this for like when we're talking about the Biden thing specifically, but, um, I guess like the one thing too, that I just want to say Larry Summers and like so many of these other people, like specifically I'm thinking like from my end of the spectrum, it's like the big tech executives, right? So it's like Sergey Brin of Google and like Larry Page and even Zuckerberg and Elon Musk to some extent, these people, like, they don't necessarily have the same, like, whispering in the ear effect as, like, someone like that does. But they do sort of – there's this thing about the U.S. where it's, like, we are such a, like, a capitalist, industrialist society that it's, like, these people who are, like, running the shots of these private companies, they sort of, in a way, like, transcend these politics where it's, like, you know – both under the Obama administration and under Trump, it's like those tech CEOs were still being courted by the president, regardless of like their political leaning. And it's like that there's like many things about that. And I think that's like, um, you know, you can have your perspective if it's like, if it's like sort of corrupt, which I think in a lot of cases it is, especially when people get government positions, but it is also like me thinking out loud, kind of the case that's like, we are we, you're dealt with society, society you have in the moment and it's like we are in a society where it's like if you run a multinational corporation with all this influence it's like you kind of like you don't have to do exactly what that person says but you kind of have to hear them you know if you're the president you have to hear what they have to say sure That's but like, you don't have to make them like the main policy shot caller in your administration especially when you're coming in off like a which, fatty fucking right, liberal mandate which is like and this will transition to what we're saying about <laughs> biden but it seems like that's kind of yeah not biden being the case biden right, surprisingly right has has tacked i mean well we can i'll get into my analysis of this later and it's not so surprising to me but biden i guess it is yeah it is partially surprising because i think biden was running as like one of the most conservative democrats in the field um back when it was still a crowded democratic field um, but he's what like I think it was like a trillion and a half people yeah, that were running. It was like it was like sea monkeys. <laughs> just they were just like like as many as there were grains of sand on the beach. I actually ran for president at one point. Yeah, know? I remember that. That was crazy, dude. I got yeah. I had to uh, <laughs> yeah. I had to <laughs> I had to take your debit card away from you. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I didn't. I think to some degree has surprised. I mean, this is all very early days and very tentative, but let's run in. Let's run down some stuff that Biden's done that, to me, is actually very encouraging. Some of it. Um, to start, we'll go with foreign policy stuff because no one uh, in this country really gives a shit about that, so we can knock that off real quick. But <laughs> one of the main things that Biden did campaign on and has seems to have come through on, at least in um, you know, 
preliminary ways is ending the United States' ongoing funding and uh, like logistical support to the Saudi war on the Houthis in Yemen, which if you've been paying any attention, you've certainly heard the name Yemen um, bouncing around here and there in the past uh, for the past like three, four years. Um, and it's been a fucking disaster. It's the wor- the UN has called it, quote, the worst man-made humanian- humanitarian crisis in the world um, because Yemen has some Byzantine sort of internal politics. But the fact is that uh, a sort of insurgent group called the Houthis, who aren't particularly Islamist, I mean, it's not al-Nusra, it's not al-Qaeda. They are like sort of... Uh, more of a political entity than a than a muslim or like a, a an islamist nationalist one um they've been fighting a, a war there for for years now and saudi arabia decided to intervene in order to crush them and it wasn't it was a bit of a taller order than they anticipated and it's now been an ongoing just grinding bombing campaign and uh sectional war with various factors i mean it's as complicated as conflicts tend to be in the, in these days especially in the middle east um but the fact the short long and short of it is that the united states has been providing arms bombs and weapons um as well as like literally refueling saudi jets as they run bombing sorties over yemen and it's created untold misery as well as like a massive cholera epidemic that's simply the an effect of you know <clears throat> bombing the water treatment plants that these these like this this extremely poor nation relies on um and uh and biden to his credit ran on saying fuck that and he has pulled the plug i mean no more no more funds to saudi and no more weapons sales i believe full stop um for until they exit this war can i ask a couple little questions about that yeah so sure i'm so just like for people are listening i mean and, you know, I'm, like, not a foreign policy expert, so this is just, like, my basic NYU poli-sci course talking. But um, correct me if this is, like, right in the way you interpret it, is that the U.S., like, for a long time has had, like, sort of, like, a relationship going on with Saudi Arabia built off of mutual interests, especially because of, like, oil for the longest time. Oil and because they're like a major antagonist to Iran who is like so, our fucking sworn enemy for some reason so in the with, region. With like Yemen and like to an extent like not to an extent for sure Syria as well is uh, the way I look at it right is that like you can make a very clear comparison between like what's going on there as a proxy war with like what happened with like Vietnam and like Cambodia and a bunch of other places as well. Like we are supporting countries like saudi arabia who are doing the heavy lifting of like carpet bombing and shit the same way that we were supporting like other like you know countries that were like more directly engaged in like warfare across the country but it's like we're like a couple steps removed but it's like we're we're like a a better yes and no but like i mean almost it's it's even stupider than that because at least during fucking vietnam a we are putting our boots on the ground not that that was a good thing but at least we were fucking risking the capital the political capital and all obviously all the lives lost and money but at least we were operating under the paradigm of like communism is bad and should be stopped now it's like why are you fighting the houthis no one could fucking tell you why i mean people say oh they're iranian because they're like they're uh, a shia group i believe 
and there's like very little if any evidence that they have any direct support from iran um and if they and to the extent that they that like there are tendrils it's minimal i mean these are not like this is not a very well-armed or well-sustained uh insurgency it's just that they are sim- they have a lot of popular support and it's hard to f- and the saudi military is pretty incompetent um but it's even worse to your point because it's just like we're not we don't have an operating principle we're just helping saudi because saudi has some stupid fucking petty regional strife that they want to squash and they're our like they're our guard dog in the region because saudi is like the 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 hedge the regional hegemon that counterbalances iran and we've been wanting to kill iran since 1979 since they embarrassed us with the islamic revolution you know what i mean so it's stupid. It's like even dumber than our fucking stupid Cold War conflict. How were. much of this is, and like, you know, I don't know if you have a take on this or whatever, but it's like how much of this is like sort of just timing in the sense that like the if, and this is my editorializing, like a lot of our relationship with Saudi Arabia was based off economics. Now when Biden's in power, and this is like sort of like being a little bit critical of him, like the U.S., is like a net importer of like of oil. No, next ex, net yeah, we're exporter an exporter of yeah. oil now. We export, and maybe. like we also have like a bunch more like renewable sources. In a sense, like my analysis, I guess, is that like whatever like hand holding we need to we need to do, and like compromises of our integrity we need to do to support Saudi Arabia are kind of irrelevant. Are becoming more relevant. They're not. I mean, yes, perhaps. I mean, and hopefully, I mean, Biden certainly signaled that he's not going to be so uh, equanimous towards um, towards Saudi anymore. Um, we'll see how far that goes. Um, Keep in mind that Saudi Arabia, right, was like, you know, I mean, we've said this, but like murdered a, a journalist. Yeah, and Biden right? did. So, yeah, which God, that's the sin. I mean, kill as many Houthis as you want, bomb as many hospitals and fucking the port of Aden as you want, but God forbid you kill a. Pu- columnist for the washington post i mean granted as you say biden did say during his um uh during his campaign that they would saudi would quote pay the price for killing khashoggi he also called them baby killers um for their bombing campaign in yemen which is 100 percent accurate so you know i would love to see him challenge uh, mbs to a push-up contest or maybe an arm wrestling <laughs> contest or something like that so anyway that's a promising thing in foreign policy there's a few other little quick hits i mean Secretary Pompeo, uh, ex-secretary of the You know his son state. actually gets his haircut at the same place I do. That's cool, man. I won't name the barber because I would, be I, I would put a I would put a put a beep 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 in so front of the. his kid gets a fresh cut, but that's cool. Well, we should uh, we'll talk about that off mic. Um, <laughs> but Pompeo, he called what the China what China what the Chinese were doing to the Uyghur uh, Muslim minority in. Xinjiang province they officially designated it genocide which carries like a lot of baggage with it um, legal weight too yes like that's certain, what i'm talking certain, about like, international yes 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 precisely yeah. um however it's been sort of uh floated clear, there is like a fuck situation going on in yeah, that area. yes but it's whether, whether yeah. or not it's genocide is complete is not at all clear i mean there's certainly repression happening but the thing is like this like creating this new cold war dynamic with china is is like definitely seems to be like the major uh project of the security state now right um broadly speaking and pompeo was just like on his way out clearly trying to you know overturn as many apple carts as he could in order to make it 
just like uh, slide us further down that path. And I right. think unless you're a bloodthirsty snake handling psychopath like Mike Pompeo, you should be you should be uh, you know in favor of common interest with the people of yeah. China, who we all have a lot more in common with um, than the people who, broadly speaking, govern us. Uh, your average Chinese guy who just likes to, you know, drink beer, probably play League of Legends, hang out. Yeah. Um, I, will, I will say, though, like in terms of like the Biden analysis of that, like with China, I think it is like a bit of a TBD situation, though, because like a lot of like as you're referencing here, like some of the, like the language and the posturing is a bit less hawkish than it was under Trump. But at the same time, like when you dig into it, and I've been like reporting on this and reading on it recently a lot of like the heaviest like sanctions and like trade war type of stuff is like still going on with Biden. And of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but that's, that's structural. That's, that's a load bearing shit. There is, there is just like a reality where it's like, even if you reduce like some of like the things that like you can take away, there is just like an, there's a rivalry going on between like the U S and China. Yes and no, but there's a rivalry, but it's also we're in, we're completely codependent. I mean, China makes like, stuff to sell to us and sure. we exist to buy it. So it's like this sort of notion of like, oh, there's a trade war. I mean, the trade I, war was stupid. That was just total right. silliness on but the it's, part but of it's Trump. Had real world it has. Though, it has, you know, has like had Huawei major is like effects. No longer going to be making smartphones really. Of course, but, like but the fact is that's that was simply a political calculation by Trump. To, or, I mean, to the extent you call it a calculation, but that was just him trying yeah. to be tough on China. But the fact is, we're codependent. I mean, right. we're like a we're two we're two organisms that are blobbing together. The only thing I'm saying is like don't expect necessarily that to stop under Biden. Like there's absolutely a lot of not. That that's no, I mean there's a there's a lot of as, as hot. Yeah, I mean I don't think they'll do it quite as bellicose, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, the whole security state that we have needs a new boogeyman, and China is certainly going to be the one. I mean, I mean that's just like I think that's a foregone conclusion at this point. It's just a question of you know to what extent and for and how long does it take to uh you know keep ratcheting it up um so what's going on back home well i have a few more quick hits. Oh, you got some more you got some more about the well fuck it no we can skip those um let's go back home let's end up back home so here i'm gonna, I'm gonna run through a couple things um for one biden did put the kibosh on the keystone xl pipeline which has been sort of uh a uh you know, a cause celeb for environmentalists. What, what was that? What was that again? The Keystone XL pipeline was a massive oil pipeline that was going through the Midwest. And, um, Wasn't and it through an Indian reservation? Well, that's a different well? one, actually. Oh, sorry. That was, it, this is the Alaska. In Alaska, is a Keystone pipeline, right? So what you, quick... what you were talking about was the Dakota Access Pipeline. Right. Um, which was going through the Standing Rock Reservation. Okay. And if you recall, like this was several years ago, um, there was like a huge standoff between um, between members of these, uh, of, uh, um, of I believe a couple different Native American nations who, um, whose land was being like, uh, vi- <laughs> whose treaties, which have been violated time and time again by the United States government, were being violated yet again in order to, um, uh, you know, allow the, the, the construction of this pipeline, which was going to move crude oil through their land. And they were concerned, hey, we need, like, one of our only sources of fresh water is, like, directly compromised by this pipeline. Should it 
fail, and I believe it did literally fail and seep tons of oil um, into like these like a sacred land, territorial lands and ancestral lands of these Native American um, nations. And Trump essentially said, "Drill, they." Of drill, course, of right? course, yeah, naturally. Like, but and Keystone though is a Canadian to United States pipeline right. that I think starts in like Alberta province and um, is I think in its full extent was going to go all the way down to the fucking Gulf coast to, to send cause they have all that like rich Alberta tar sand oil. Right. And um, so, so Biden's putting the Knicks on that for environmental he's concerns. On it, yeah. He signed an executive order to revoke the permit. Um, to uh to the company that was building it um i guess that seems good like if your if your prerogative is like it's good it's good it's not bad um and he also at the same time um a federal court recently under the biden administration ruled against the dakota access pipeline which Mm -hmm. was still sort of like winding its way through all the environmental um uh, appropriations and approvals that needed that needed doing um, and a federal court said that they needed to undergo a whole new environmental review, which wasn't a, isn't like a, a full stop, but it does um, it does like throw a major spanner in the works sure. of, of pumping oil through that. Um, and to quote again from the Financial Times, I mean, there's an article about this um, by Justin Jacobs from February 2nd, where he talks to some analysts and people whose business it is to sort of track the uh, financial um future and uh fortunes of the pipeline and oil industry and uh when his his assessment is that quote the era of building big new pipelines has probably come to an end um just because it's becoming too expensive alternative technologies like uh, geothermal certainly solar and wind are just becoming more and more uh economically viable so like building these big fucking pipelines that are that engender this enormous uproar and uh are themselves very expensive to build um is just like something that is just not going to be feasible anymore and like that's good but there's still so much oil and gas that's being drilled and like we're way behind schedule on this type of shit so i i i i am glad to see that these pipe these pipelines that are just so and a lot of environmental groups have been sounding the alarm on this for a yeah. long time. So I guess here's my bigger question, and this will like relate to like some other points that I know you're going to bring up about the Biden presidency, but I think this is a good segue of talking about it. Um, regardless of that analysis point, which you know is worth investigating, one thing that strikes me about all this, right, is that like the at least with Keystone and like the Dakota Access Pipeline as well, these were issues that were really coming to the forefront during the Obama presidency. And, like, he, like, sort of, like, passed executive orders to stop it. And then when Trump came in, immediately one of his big things was, like, to, like, reverse that and, like, allow it to happen. And now, once again, now that you have, like, Biden presidency, because this is all, like, through executive action, he's just undoing what Trump did. So, essentially, like, we are really back where we were, you know, fucking five six years ago and i'm curious just like what you think about that in general because i feel like like we haven't really had and granted this is a month in to the presidency we haven't had any big like legislative like bills passed so everything is still 
all through the executive pen, which is inherently transient. And I'm like curious what you sort of think about all that. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's certainly a thing, right? Like, we have just like a fucking completely sclerotic and unresponsive uh, Congress and like legislative body uh, in general that is not incapable of like doing anything to fundamentally update our like national policy about say oil drilling so it just so happens to be the case that whenever a president comes in they go willy-nilly and try to just like shotgun as much shit as they can through um in order to shape like domestic policy be it you know energy policy or immigration policy and then yeah and then it's uh, obviously subject to just undoing by like the next um by the next administration if it's a if it's like a an administration that's hostile to our to, to the aims of the prior one right. and that doesn't seem very sustainable um granted it's, it's like some stuff i guess can be done in such a way that isn't able to be immediately reversed um but yeah, I mean, you you don't you you don't see me going and getting up and waving the flag about how cool and effective our our governmental system is, but I agree, yeah, it's a huge problem. I mean, because presumably when Biden uh, inevitably inevitably gets his ass kicked <laughs> in in uh twenty twenty four, um, or we lose, or the Democrats lose their control of the Congress in twenty twenty two, which is just like. You know, usually what happens is when you win the presidency, right. people get mad and then you lose the government and you lose Congress. Um, yeah, it's not a very durable. It's not a very durable fix, is it? I mean, I, I don't have very much so uh, confidence that things it will. It reminds me of like because you brought up Obama and the comparison between Obama and Biden before. It's it's interesting to me because like one point, right, is that when Obama came into presidency, he also came in with like way more of Congress on the he side. He had a massive like right mandate. Now Biden, he had it's a like huge mandate. it's like what? It's and didn't like do 50, shit with 51, it. Yeah, it's it razor Senate. thin. Yeah, and it's very razor thin. And it's like, and we'll talk about this with the stuff coming up. But it's like it's a lot of technical things that we don't need to necessarily go into. But essentially, like, unless like the like to pass like if, if if like the standard bearer for like real legislative change comes through Congress, which means that like you have to pass other bills to get rid of it, it's a lot harder for that to happen under under Biden than it was under the first term of Obama. Which yeah, which is another enormous indictment of Obama sure, because Obama say. had so much leeway to like do something actually revolutionary in but, within the confines of american politics and right. just chose to do but on basically nothing point, though, and just sit on his ass which like this remains to be borne out but it seems like because of that like this is my sort of like theory is that like because there is like essentially like biden does like his whole thing was like unity right and like he does the hand waving of like saying i'm going to talk to all the republicans and stuff but no matter what essentially like how it's breaking down right now is that he's not going to get republican votes so you can do all the hand-waving he wants to do, but at the end of the day, he can really kind of push as much as he, like, feels like the the voting is – the Democratic median wants to push because it's, like, either way, he's going to be doing it without any real support. So – without any real bipartisan support. So it's, like, you kind of – you're just letting that – Yeah, sure, run, whatever. Run, like, run hot. I, I take your point, and you're right. 
I don't want to get too much into like the fucking weeds of like partisan politics in DC because right. who fucking cares? Um, but I do think it's true that like yeah, Biden is is a little more fast and loose with the progressive policies and like i have several other here that i could you know name check i mean the pipeline thing we talked about um there's also his stimulus package which is like almost two trillion dollars which is much larger than anything uh, in the in in united states history of course and like the republic like we mentioned before the republicans we're trying to get yeah they wanted to fucking slash that by 66 percent practically and uh, it seems that they're going to go ahead and do it without them, which they always had the power to do, but they wanted to do a pay on to bipartisanship. If you, of course, the, you know, the, the sacred, the golden calf of our political system. I'm glad that they're not going to just like let the Republicans slash in half the, 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 the funding necessary to keep people from dying on mass um, as this pandemic rages on. And we'll see what, what ultimately becomes of it. But right. as a sort of coda to the, to the, environmental thing i mean if if there was ever any um you know concern that biden was going to move too too swiftly to uh if anyone was ever if anyone was worried that biden was going to um fix climate change too much which i was worried like what if it gets what if it starts getting too cold (laughs) i mean had anyone thought about that like what if we under what if we cut emissions what if we cut emissions so much that everything freezes that could happen well Never worry, because Biden has put, um, granted, I don't think this is explicitly like an appointment like Biden would do to his cabinet, but um, through whatever political sort of machinations and glad-handing, Joe Manchin, Cole Yokel of of the great (laughs) state of West Virginia, has been appointed leader of the Senate Energy Committee. And just to give you a sense of who Joe Manchin is, if if you aren't familiar he recently shot a client, uh, shot a like a campaign ad as when he was running for re-election as state senator, a senator of uh, um, West Virginia, where he's shooting a climate change bill with a hunting rifle, right? Uh, to say like this shit's gay and we won't allow it because we're the coal state. Yeah. So just in case you were concerned that like things were moving a little too fast to save us from the boiling oceans, uh, it's gonna be cool. So. Yeah, and and I feel like you have like some other points you want to make on the Biden thing, and so please go ahead because like one, whether we talk about it now or in a second, one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was something that Biden has like said that he's very dogged on, but it remains unclear like whether or not it'll happen. Is that he suggested like, um, going forward with a fifteen dollar federal minimum wage. I don't know if you want to talk about that now or you want to like yeah talk we about can some talk let's things. talk about that for a quick so second. so I little. Mean, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah. So here's the deal. Like, um, <laughs> the last time the the federal minimum wage was raised was in 2007, um, when it was increased from five dollars and eighty five cents per hour effective, July 24th, 2007, and then it went up in sort of a gradated fashion, six fifty five, seven twenty five by oh nine. Um, so in 2018 the federal minimum wage was still $7.25 and it was worth 15% less given inflation than that 7.25 was worth in 2009. Right. Um and when you compare that same 7.25 to the peak of dollar value in 1968, it was worth 28.6 uh percent less. Um 
which the equivalent in 1968 would have been like 10, 15, which right. is to say if you wanted the minimum wage to be effectively the same in terms of purchasing power in 2009, um, or sorry, in 2018, as it was in 2000 or in 1968, i.e. 50 years hence, it should have been $10 and 15 right. cents. Well, this it strikes me because like, this is something you hear like in a lot of like left circles and like other circles as well about just like how the, and even Trump said this to an extent too, which is that like the, even though the economy has grown in the U.S., it's like the real wage that people earn hasn't grown in since in the last it's like four years. Dramatically, I mean, and I think like as a share of, as like a share, like labor share of the GDP, and i.e. the amount of gr- the amount of money that's being generated in some in, in the gross amount, the amount of money that goes to w- workers that goes to labor broadly as a as right. a as a swath. And the amount that goes to ownership and, uh, you know, to, to corporations, broadly speaking, to their shareholders, it has just been it's just been on a nosedive. Right. And so, like, I'm no economist, but it seems like kind of it would seem common sense. Right. That like as like we all know what inflation is. Right. We know that like in 1920 or whatever, like you could a dollar would buy you like a movie ticket or whatever. Yeah. It's like it seems like common sense. Right. That like as like the the dollar becomes less valuable that like whatever you whatever you earned as a minimum wage job should like be worth more now than it was then and i think like that's like what like i think there's a lot of like we talked about this off mic but a lot of valid debate off of like what exactly should be the minimum wage in different states but i think like to like it at the bare minimum right to like match it shouldn't be fucking going down right that seems <laughs> it should like, not be going like down worth worth like considering because which is like interesting that prices doing that of everything are going up right the minimum wage should not be going down which in effect it is for every year that it doesn't go up it's it's your your dollar the um, the purchasing power of a dollar is going down so it should be being pegged to inflation that's absolutely not happening and that has it should also be made it should also absolutely be going up in real terms because the productivity of the american economy has been going up i mean like the stock market has been more is more and more lucrative like businesses have a higher valuation like with the addition of technology that makes business more efficient businesses are able to make more money um than they have in the past and therefore workers should get a larger share of that i mean just proportionally even if it's a small share it should be going up proportionally to the proportional value of businesses that is absolutely not happening so i guess like so what does it mean though because like for example, this is one thing I'm I'm struck by, right? Is that like the consensus before Biden was president, right? Was that he was like one of the most conservative of the people running, and I think that was like well founded. But like for example, like probably a year ago today, Sanders when he was running was like kind of alone in like his call for a federal fifteen dollar minimum wage, and now Biden, who is like this like centrist character, is like echoing the same sentiment. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Biden has gotten into office and has realized that, like, holy shit, the economy is in the toilet. Things are bad. Like, let's try to right the ship um, to the extent that we can. Because I think, you know, in the same way that, you know, the I think a lot of the popular conception um, among historians now of the New Deal under FDR was that capitalism after the 
after the Great Depression was in crisis, the way you change it is by doing redistribution at the expense of individual capitalists, right. individual wealthy business owners and so forth who don't want to pay out out of their own pockets, I guess, to like or redistribute their wealth via taxes or what have you. It's in the interest of the system, broadly speaking, right. to redistribute that wealth back to people. And I think that's the same thing now. I mean, we like we were talking earlier with China, we have a consumer economy. We don't have a manufacturing right. economy. We don't we don't like make stuff. I mean, we do actually. I mean, people say that there's like manufacturing is dead. We still do a substantial amount of manufacturing in this country. But broadly speaking, we buy stuff. We just right. fucking buy stuff. And we buy it from China. And if people don't have money to buy stuff, the whole thing does not work. So you need to put money in people's hands. And yeah. Biden, I think to his own, maybe to his credit, I don't know what to call it, is not is is not so ideological that he is incapable of acknowledging that like you need to put money in right. the average person's hands so that they can buy stuff. And so what he's doing to keep the whole thing going. And yeah. so what he's doing is he's like enacting some like vaguely left of center policies for yeah. the first time in more than a decade so, and people are you know we love to see it yeah I mean, it's can i give I'll the take my scraps. An unsexy take but sort of like sure. the thing that i'm rolling with right now that i've heard other people say and i think kind of makes the most sense more so than biden is like all of a sudden having this epiphany that's changing his realization not, yeah one thing that i've heard He's that makes sense if you shit. look at the numbers is that like like a basic 101 if you do like policy courses is like median voter theorem right is it like you like look at who's voting for you and you take like their the middle view and you roll with that and it seems like now that biden is president right his constituency which is like the democratic voters in general he's like taking a read of the land and like focusing just on 15 dollar minimum wage but also these other issues it just happens to be that right now the middle of like the people that happen to like vote for him that's where we're at right now like there is like a there is like the majority of people want that and i think also to go on that and then i'll let you respond it's just like um you know biden made a lot of these like concessions of saying that like we want unity right which i think a lot of people interpreted to be like bipartisanship but one thing that like both explicitly and implicitly the Biden administration has said now is like when they talk about unity, what they're saying is like they're going to make policy based off of like what, quote, like the vast majority, like what the majority of Americans want, not necessarily what the majority of like Congress or the Senate wants, but what like a polling average of like Americans want. And like that's what they're trying to base their policy off of. And I think sure. like the minimum wage is like an example of that, right? Where it's like, I guarantee you most Republicans in Congress don't want this. But like if you polled Americans nationally, about whether they want a $15 minimum wage, it happens to be overwhelmingly yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just because we're at a fucking crisis point. I mean, we've been choking, we've been starving the beast, as the phrase goes, for so long. I mean, we've had our, like, the government has been trying to just wring every last drop of productivity out of people without with giving them as little as possible for a very long time. I mean, that's been the trend, is towards austerity, is towards... Right you know the big the big you know the n-word i'll say the n-word folks neoliberalization oh that one neoliberal it's <laughs> true it's the fucking notion of just deregulate cut things down make things as business friendly as possible and let everyone be a gig worker like everyone's a lean clean you know gigging machine and you know it turns out that leaves people with very little savings very little 
room to operate and when something cataclysmic happens like a pandemic people are fucked and they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of places to turn to and so i think biden to his credit is not as ideological as barack obama in part because i think obama was self-consciously trying to be a celebrity wasn't the culture a little bit different though than too whatever i mean no yes maybe i mean sure but the appetite for this type of but if anything it was the opposite way because if anything under obama we had just done two two bush terms we just had a rack a failure everyone was ready for something fresh new amazing we had he had so much potential i mean it was like he was coming to power sure. in the crisis i mean I, his own spe- fucking guy Rahm Emanuel said right. don't let a good crisis go to waste and what do they do they fucking wasted right. it i mean this is speculative right but i think it bears out biden is coming in and like, saying like let's actually do something in the right. direction of uh something vaguely uh i guess my only thing though is i think that like whoever it is that's like getting him elected it happens to be that they're more on board with this than like people were during the obama years not true i mean that's absolutely not true i mean obama obama came in with a huge mandate and and he had a lot of there was a he had the capital if he wanted to say like let's do some major i'm not saying he didn't have the power but i'm saying the the will from like the voters wasn't necessarily as high i think it was dude i mean obama well for one obama did not come in on a razor thin margin he had like a huge he won 55 six percent of the vote he it was not they weren't they weren't slicing eyelashes you know the, to and doing recounts to right. to delineate who won between him and McCain. He had a huge mandate and he could have done whatever the fuck he wanted, but he was fundamentally captive to these like right-wing economic forces. That's why I put Geithner and Summers in charge of his uh you know approach to the financial crisis. And those are the people that you know, let a lot of people get owned and 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 sunk on their mortgages, and instead bailed out these banks that could have been like nationalized, for instance. You know, there was no reprisal, and a lot of these banks, like not to go back into this, but you know, they paid out bonuses, as is well known. It's well mythologized. And my point is, Biden, I was, I am no Biden stan. You know, I was one of the, I almost didn't vote for him. You know listener dear listener i did go in and i did pull the lever for biden but i almost didn't do it because i was like this i i swear to god but i almost didn't do it because i was gonna say hey he was gonna win anyway i live in new york but you know i I don't know how much he's gonna change the fundamental calculus and maybe he'll kick the can down the road but like is is anything gonna really change by voting for biden and i do think i'm pleasantly surprised i don't know if it means that you know he's gonna you know move the meter in any meaningful way but he's done some stuff that i haven't expected one other thing i want to hit on before we move on and i think we should move on soon mac um is bernie my guy bernie was made chair of the senate budget committee which actually does give him some institutional power for basically the first time in his career um as this chair of the senate budget committee he has power over the budget reconciliation move, which is what we were talking about with how they're going to push through um, uh, COVID relief and basically everything else. Um, from the New York Times, this is a quote. Mr. Sanders is expected to exert heavy influence over taxes, health care, climate change, and several other domestic issues, end quote. So this is like, you know, Bernie now has a little bit of clout. Like he's going to be able to th- swang his nuts around. And we'll see what happens. We'll see how much how much um you know influence he really gets to exert. But I really hope that 
they see what the moment requires because I think Obama, I don't know. I just think like this centrist, uh, this administration that has centrist inclinations is looking at the scope of the problem now that they're in the cockpit and they're like, we're going to need to do a little bit of something to save this because it's looking quite gnarly. I mean, it is looking gnarly, man. There's still thousands of people, you know, getting sick and dying. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I I think I'm very interested not to disregard any of this, but it's like I'm, you know, the policy wonk side of me is like I'm very interested to see what happens when like – we're doing real like legislative stuff you know like that's that's what i want to see like how 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 much of a difference do we see when it's not just executive orders and it it remains to be seen and i think it's going to be an interesting yeah it remains to be seen but like what the fuck do you even why do we even care about any of this if you know if it's just like the best we can hope for is like the most tepid dishwater bullshit um as far as policy goes like dude the, if the 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 new deal was passed um in through congress though <laughs> yes through congress yeah. and it like it wasn't a it wasn't a snap you know what i mean i mean it's just like wh- people have whipped votes to get stuff done before right. and this notion that oh it's just too hard and we no, just I, can't I, do well, it we just can't do it and it's like dude we're literally in yeah. a in a fucking plague yeah we'll like s- you want to tell me you can't do it get it fucking yeah. done well, i i would love to see that and I'm or capitol hill riot too and i'll be there yeah Beep beep <laughs> parody parody um, okay okay so um, can we um yeah let's take on, a sec can we um can we talk since this is like about the future's out and we talk a little bit about the internet can we talk a little bit about what biden means for like the internet and all of its like discourses yeah let's right do now? ftc shit real quick yeah um let's not let's not i know i know you have a lot to say let's yeah. get quick hits mm-hmm. i okay, feel like I'm we're gonna, running gonna, a little long already yeah, well, I'm going to... No, yeah, but let I'll, me... I'll, I want to know about this because you actually... there's It is actually very interesting and it really does matter quite a bit. Yeah. So, uh, I guess to tee you up, Mac, I, I, I could... From what... All I know is that Biden is named as the FTC and FCC chairs, um, two people who are poised to take on big tech, um, such as that exists, which it does, um, a little more robustly than, than has been in the past. I mean, Aji Pai was i believe the was he, he was the, the ftc he was the, he was the fcc fcc chair, chair mm-hmm. who was like a huge cunt i mean he was like a cartoon villain for a couple for a little while i remember a couple years ago yeah. because he was like um nominated under the trump administration and he was gonna say like hey if you want better internet sorry bitch yeah. he killed net neutrality was like the big net new- what point, is net neutrality right? well, well net okay mac could you do this for me Sure. Can you explain what net neutrality is? Can you explain? I can certainly explain what net neutrality is. And can you explain uh, if it's going to come back? Yeah. So on net neutrality, I can definitely like explain a little bit about what that is. But I think like so many things under the Trump era and post, it's like things that were just like sort of uncontroversial have like become very political. And net neutrality is a big thing about that. So in a really like broad sense, right, it's like net neutrality is essentially – saying that like you have like different providers like at&t sprint like uh verizon all these people that give you the 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 pipelines to your shit what net neutrality is yeah they're they are truly in the pipe they're laying big time pipe on us net neutrality is essentially saying that like uh they have to treat all the content that comes through there equally and why that is important right is because like so many of these companies in recent years have like 
for example, AT and T bought out Time Warner, which owns like right, HBO that. and shit. And so they have manhole covers in the city. You can see their logo. On. Really? <laughs> Time Warner does. Yeah. But like you know, it, it's really real building. now because like all these like your your internet company also <sighs> pairs with like fucking HBO Max and shit like that. And like the worry of like net neutrality people is that like if you don't have these rules in place, like you can essentially it allows like providers to just like force you to use their thing because like let's say for example right let's say you're at&t and you want to download you want to watch netflix but netflix isn't like the 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 streaming service that's like right AT&T. Like, that's they'll fee. throttle it yeah they yeah. either have a fee or they'll make it super slow that's the big debate with at with net neutrality but to back up a bit granted well can we can we sure, clarify sure, things sure, sure. briefly i mean is there it seems like uh, you know, f- uh, from my perspective, it seems like net neutrality is a pretty clear cut case of just like something that is clearly in the interest of like company of like these like these fucking internet service providers just trying to wring more money. And one one side of it is is clearly like consumer friendly, and the other is very much not. Right? I mean, listen, that's the way I look at it, and I think that's the way like Mac, let your journalist <laughs> mask down for a moment. We're just it's just you and yeah. I. We're on sweats. We right. have our hair down. We're talking on the couch, baby. Yeah. What do you think? Well, this, that's why it's I, fucking that's bad why I, for that's people. That's why I said that everything's political now. Is because I think like the vast majority of people agreed with that up until a couple of years ago. But then all of a sudden, like these arguments that like Ajit Pai and a lot of conservatives made, like all of a sudden, like to give them credit, right? Like their argument is that like to get rid of net neutrality rules means that like you give people like more competition, lower prices for the record that has not been borne out at all. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, net neutrality is a good, is a good, is a good thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, on that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Yeah, well, Uncle Biden, right, like, so, so the FCC, right, like, they're the one in charge of, like, that type of shit. They're, they're, they oversee, like, you know, the nuts and bolts of, like, the internet, right? The FCC and the FTC and all these chairs, like, it's like a, there's five chair people. That are, that are there and like it's usually broken up two republicans two democrats and then the deciding vote is like whoever one his party's person. in power and that was ajit pai before he stepped down and now he was a little freak that i remember he was why weird as fuck he did that like fucking nerf video was okay. that the thing yeah he did he that was such he a also had like a huge like Reese's. thing is like yeah he had the giant he, mug he was what like little, he was, he was like, like a little reddit like a soy reddit fan who was like, I'm gonna make your life Dude, worse. It's ah! funny because like he was like he, he was like leaning on like I'm a nerd and like I like the internet too. And like Dude, if you spend any time on the internet, he's like by far the most hated person because the, yeah. everyone saw through his bullshit. And it's like a bunch of reports that come out that like he wants to run for like office in Kansas and shit where he's from. A little cr- he just little sucks. I, I'm I don't have man. any anyway. problem saying he sucks. But to get back on point, right, is that like so her name is Jessica Rosenweil. She was a chairwoman for the last like I think ten years. But um Warsaw. Yeah. But now um she's acting chair under Biden and 
Um, she's a bit like so. If we're breaking this conversation into yeah, the so FTC and like the FCC, what it's a little bit. It's a little bit. She's. Um, I just listened to an interview with her today, actually, and like she's a bit less of a clear cut benefit, I think, compared to like the FTC, who we'll get into. Where it's like, so she has like very explicitly said that like she Remind wants me to. What g- FCC stands for? The Federal Communications Commission. Okay. Um. Yeah. And so they're like I said, like they're very much involved in like the the nuts and bolts of like of of you know like expanding broadband access. Like they mm, get the internet yes. to you. Um. And they they have the rules at that level. But like so she um she has made very explicit that like she wants to overturn, um. The F- the net neutrality rulings under Trump, which is like I think. A well, good how thing. easy can they do that? So it's not, not like something they can just do, or what? Because also the one thing that Trump did succeed in, I mean, majorly, is just stacking the fucking judiciary right. all across this country with just like uh, a twenty-two-year-old uh, American <laughs> University grads or whatever, yeah. Liberty University grads. Well, with, that's yeah, with communications degrees who are just like lifetime judges. <laughs> Super true, but I mean that's the so, thing like, about good luck like to anyone who's trying to do anything. When like, looking at the like tech industry, it's just like so makes sense with everything else though too. That it's like it is quite like removed from democracy in a sense that it's like net neutrality nice. and like any of these other things that fall under the FCC's purview because they are a commission that's just run by like appointments um as long as they have the majority they can essentially pass whatever they want which is what happened under Ajapai and um so when like Rosen Worsell is her name when she um presumably becomes like the permanent chair the democrats will get a majority and it's pretty much a guarantee that like the net neutrality rules will be put in back in place again cool. it goes into the same problem that we talked about before where it's like very yeah, temporary it's flipping the ball back and forth i think what's more interesting slap. um that not to say that net neutrality is not a big deal because it is but what's more interesting is the ftc side of things right because as we mentioned before a couple weeks ago the ftc has been like one of the leading all right what's the ftc the man? federal trade commission yeah, I know you're, you're trying to confuse me with all these acronyms all these acronyms yeah you yeah, know, know you're like nambla and you know nambla yeah <laughs> i know yeah you were trying to get me to join nambla earlier <laughs> and i said hey buster he caught me i am already a member all that, right that and the nra but no so yeah but pretty much like yeah the ftc federal trade commission if the FCC is, like, in charge of, like, the nuts and bolts of the internet, the FTC, when it's working properly, is, like, the whip to, like, curtail, nice. like, monopolies. Cool. That's the point. That's what they're supposed to do, but they haven't really done well in, like, 40, 50 years. And a lot of that is politics. A lot of My that God, the internet didn't even exist 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, man. But um, why I think what's important with like the Biden thing, right, is that so the acting chair, her name is like, <laughs> it's not I'm not joking, but it's Rebecca Slaughter. Rebecca Slaughter, which is like, yeah. come on, if you had like any name you wanted, that's like um, a, well, there's also the woman, uh, um, Anne Marie Slaughter, who famously was the like a. Uh, under Obama was like in charge of like her some of his foreign policy machinations. Really, exactly what? Um, director of policy planning for the United States Department of State. She was like a big Libya hawk. Okay. So she's That's like one of those people who should absolutely be going before the Hague. <laughs> and her name is Anne Marie. Well, Slaughter. from every anyway, yeah, I have no idea. Our, is this a? B- she's a better. Our Slaughter yeah. is better. We like I've, our yeah, Slaughter. I have no idea what Rebecca Slaughter's 
views on Syria are, but pretty much like w- she's also <laughs> also <laughs> she's been, an Assadist. Yeah. Um, no idea, but she's been but she's been also on the FTC for several years. But like, um, as we mentioned in previous podcasts, like Facebook and Google, especially right right now, this is a big moment, right? Because it's like the FTC and the DOJ have both lost launched like lawsuits against them on antitrust grounds, saying that like they're monopolies and like they're too powerful and like they either need to be broken up or seriously curtailed. What's important now is that like Rebecca Slaughter was like the most activist of like everyone in power for like the last five years, four years, um, in terms of like punishing Facebook for anti-competitive practices and privacy violations for example like and then i'll stop talking this was like a couple years ago the ftc they levied like i might get the exact number wrong but it was like a five billion dollar um penalty on facebook for a bunch of privacy violations which was like a a record-setting number which but is it was like nothing it that's was nothing like the fucking cost yeah it was, it was like, the cost of doing business that's like their coconut water expenditure right. for a single fucking financial quarter right but why it's important is because yeah, like, well, like, can, can can I not to cut you off, but I feel like you're starting on this, so I want to intercede sure. and see if you can do this to me, if you can do this for me. Um, in some like, why should I give a shit about any of this? Like, what? Not not to d- downplay it because I know there are real serious concerns, but like, I, as if I'm just a guy doing my thing, I'm just going on the internet to look at my right. posts. Like, will I be substantially better off? now with these like more progressive people in place or like maybe it's a is there like a long-term horizon that i can look forward to that will be better now it's a good question like what uh, and maybe that's a big question you know but i'm I'm curious because like i think a lot of people are just like fuck yeah whatever it's a good question it's a big question and we've mentioned it before in this podcast about like why should i care about privacy and shit so i think the fcc and the ftc you can break them down into like important like dichotomies here where it's like if you are the average person doing your thing right there's several things going on the fcc with like net neutrality and stuff they have like the ability to make it where like if you're just doing your thing on the internet you have like a really a lot less shitty time where it's like you don't have to pay a bunch of money to like watch netflix and shit and like and like that is like that will be a substantial difference in your life the fcc what they if they're doing their job properly so like keeping you from like your ISP, like Verizon, charging you like, oh, subcharge Just for accessing you with Netflix. Whatever the fuck they want to do because like they have no good guardrails on them. Right? Which is like that means that like Why you, isn't the internet a public utility like okay, water? I'll get so I'll get to that. But the <laughs> So maybe yeah, this no, is we're getting we're no, going long. <laughs> I think it's a good point. But I guess like on the Because everyone end, needs it. Yeah. I mean I and I think, you know, it's interesting because like Rebecca Slaughter, for example, has like talked about that a lot in a lot of interviews. But if so, if if we we acknowledge what it was for like the daily consumer on the internet, what is the FCC? With the FTC, it's a bit more amorphous, but a lot bigger, I think. Where it's like Facebook, for example, right? They are a company that was. If they didn't exist, it's arguable whether or not you would have had the Capitol Hill riots. If they didn't exist, it's arguable oh, we would all be whether or not in, you would have like just so much toxic bullshit that you have now. It's arguable whether or not you would have like a thirty-four-year-old, whatever <laughs> he is, exec, just like dictating the terms of like public discourse. If the FTC is like funded properly and has the right mindset, 
they Never again. are the one that has the ability to like not allow like these big tech companies to essentially dominate like public discourse. Yeah. And that's why it's important. Okay. That's that's convincing. To your other point, right, is like should the you internet be me. a public utility? You know, I the I've thought <sighs> you know, we, we you and I what, you're twenty four, right? I'm twenty five. Something like that. And we grew up in an era we have listeners I know that are like mostly our age, but we also have listeners that are older than us too. It's interesting. Shout out dad. What's up dad? Yeah, shout out my dad, shout out my brother. But if you're <laughs> 24, 25, right, it's important to note that like our life existed pretty much entirely on the internet. We've seen it grow from something that was like kind of nascent to something that's all encompassing. And you can't tell that story without telling the story of like, these inherently like monopolistic businesses trying to do everything they can to be the most powerful entities on the earth. And I think like, you know, we have to come to terms with that. And a lot of people have suggested, and I think it's not necessarily wrong that like you can't, especially the pandemic has made this true is that you cannot really exist in the world today without the internet. And so why are we treating the internet like any other, like, you know yeah, corn like dogs service you shit. can elect to take or not yeah. like yeah it's it's, it's not like that f- it's 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 absolutely fucking necessary to conducting even the bare minimum of of life on earth like yeah. you need to have the internet even if you're if, even if like i was a fucking waiter for several years um i was a f- i was a waiter up until uh you know covid struck i didn't send emails but i needed the f- i needed the internet right to log into my app to yeah. see if I was scheduled for brunch and so forth and to uh you know get healthcare like it's 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 absolutely critical and the fact that it can just be sort of withheld from you um, yeah like you wouldn't you wouldn't abide having having hot water taken away right. from you at least in this in our in our first world you know Sure. The metropole of of the of well, that's the world we live in now, right? Yeah. Too, it's like it's the thing too with like all these kids, like everyone's like doing remote learning. You hear all these stories, right? Of like because like it's expensive to have high speed internet. You have like a bunch of kids like going to Taco Bell and shit and like oh, using their so Wi Fi for like that's the world we're in right now. And like we like okay, well, is anything going to change? Is this like do we expect things to be better now? I so okay, I'll answer that. Because that seems to me like a money question, not like a. Okay, like, that seems to me like a people are too poor question than a like. Well, uh, there's a, so laws. there's a lot of well, I think those, to be those, I think those things are connected, right? Where it's like, and I and I'm gonna bring yeah, in yeah, like yeah, another yeah, right. another point here that's worth mentioning. You won't, you won't. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the, the ooh getting me spicy laugh. Um, <laughs> But Mac like, just jumped up on a chair actually when I said that, and he pulled his skirts up around <laughs> his around his waist. No, but and I will answer your question, but I'm gonna say no, this first. Cool. You're good. But Go um, Go for on. example, yeah. right, we the word antitrust has arisen a lot when we've been talking about this shit. And one thing that's important, like Amy Klobuchar, who like we remember as like the uh, the 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 girl who didn't get the rose at the Democratic convention for the bachelorette um the last dragon klobuchar (laughs) she um this is like grammy loves it yeah he said i like that klobuchar so this is and it's like not really her that's doing this but like she was the one that passed the bill this was last week um she put forward like new rules under the biden administration that if passed would essentially like rewrite a lot of antitrust in a in a way that would make it a lot 
harder on companies and just a, a couple little like um overviews of it right um under the new proposals essentially what it was in the past um the framework was such that when companies like for example when facebook buys instagram which it did like in 2012 it, sure did. it the that has so many big consequences but it was up to the government to prove like why that would be bad for competition and like bad for the world right under these Which new frames amorphous like how do you prove something that sure. hasn't happened yet exactly like how are you gonna be like oh this will be bad because of all i don't know like um posters will be like teens will be uh you know doing their yeah their 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 like their dancing i'm i'm, I'm already thinking about tiktok even though it doesn't <laughs> exist yet it's hard to prove the counterfactual, yeah, right? Yeah, like, so, it's hard you. to know the future, which is say. why I think like so many companies have been able to get away with a lot of bullshits because like you're like, oh, I don't know yet. Under these new proposals, it would fundamentally shift it where it's like the companies would have to when they're doing these big mergers, they have to prove why their merger won't be bad for like the government and bad for how is that substantially different? I mean, I, I think in a sense I can sort of get it, but like. It's substantially different because the baseline here is assuming that, like, it's 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 making the assumption that, like, when two companies merge that are really big, that that's inherently bad. Honey, Whereas when, right when, now, it's when two companies big. love each other, <laughs> what they do is they do a sort of hug. So, like, that's that's like there's a lot of other points too. Like, for example, under the new thing, um, the FTC and other like organizations, they can like impose civil fines on companies like facebook which they couldn't do before which means they can just like hit them with more like monetary fines all this is to say that like you're asking like does it make a difference i think like in 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 if you let this play out it these are it's like it's the unsexy part of like governance but i think it's like the shit that has a real world Effect. Interesting. Okay. I think it does. I think it. I think Part it really does. Part of me is like, who gives a shit? Like, you could find, you could find, you could find Facebook fifty billion dollars, and they right. could absorb it. Sure. And not change. But, but you can't. But for example, the fines right? Do nothing. I mean, like. I mean, the fines don't. I mean, the fines do nothing. This is I the guess okay. They divert so this a little is a bit of money back towards something that could well, presumably be good. But it's just like they could absorb. Ten times the biggest fine okay. ever levied, and it wouldn't even change. I agree. They wouldn't even flinch. So this was a point. <laughs> this is this is why I thought beyond governance. Right. This is why I thought that like the putting slaughter as the FTC chair was important was because she actually made this exact point when they had that quote she's like, record I'm go in with a chainsaw. list. Yeah, she's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna like that. It's Mark like that Zuckerberg. Limp Biscuit song. It's like yeah. I had a fucking chainsaw. I'll skin your ass raw. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> no, but like what she said though is like, and I think it 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 makes sense, right? Is that like, essentially what she was saying at the time was that even though this is a record-setting fine for Facebook, it amounted to just like the cost of doing business. In the future, she was saying that like any fines that you percentage. put onto it has to be it has to be enough to where like essentially w- them. It should be levied against the CEO. Essentially, essentially what happened with that FTC fine and other fines, it actually has the effect of incentivizing these companies to continue doing bad because they know that like they, they can just pay it, it off. Yeah. And they just paid for it. They're so, like, "All right. right. Why I, would I stop? I just paid the price. Like why would I stop doing something I just bought?" Right. My personal right opinion, right, is that like a company like Facebook and Amazon to an extent too. The real question there is like 
they're right for breaking up, right? And that's not to say that, like, I do think that, like, if you did it properly, enough penalties and fines, like, they will make a difference. You just have to, like, really – the, the, the benchmark has to be a lot higher. And, like, it remains to be seen there's whether no or not there's going to be – appetite for that because who well, fucking wants – who are the powerful Democratic senators, you know? I mean, like, these are the people who are beholden to these – companies that are like the only sources of fucking uh dynamism in our economy that is like largely stagnant and fucking dying i mean like no one wants to go after like the largest dynamos it's a good point however i would you know, counter I mean, with maybe, that i am mean, like, that's a this is generalization I, but yeah i think that like where i agree with you generally but i think that the like grinning with a, with a tech freak gavin newsom is not gonna like right. go fucking string maybe not but i think why tech is like such a important thing right now in terms of regulation is unlike so many other things and we've discussed this before that pe- like the Republicans and the Democrats have different priorities for why they want to reel back big tech. But regardless, both sides of the aisle do see big tech as an enemy. And like, I think you're going to see something happen. That's my, I really do think take back. Yeah. I hope so. I could just cause I hate everything. Yeah. Cause I wanted, I don't, they they they've colonized my brain and i want to be able to read books like i dude when i was a fucking kid i was reading like a red wall book a week i was reading like a <laughs> 600 page book about little woodland creatures fighting and killing each other with broadswords and swat and and slings i was doing that like i was i was churning through pages if i could still do that now it's just tweet threads Dude, yeah, literally. Now I'm watching like I'm literally watching like half of a set of a of a 13 second TikTok, <laughs> getting distracted, and uh, you know, going to, you know, read like two thirds of a of a tweet thread about why um, you know, about why like uh, uh, owning a owning a yellow lab is actually <laughs> neocolonialism. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel great. I yeah, don't. I feel yeah. bad. I guess the fight, yeah, I want I mean, my brain back. The final thing it. I'll say about it, is, right, <laughs> is like, and I'm so, I am, because we've talked about this a lot in our own discussions, and I'm very sympathetic as someone who's like my job and like my whole like, eth- like, for context, right? Like, what got me into journalism, right? Was like the story. You wanted shit, to have the, the cap that had the little newsboy, that you wanted to have the little, the little car that said press, and you wanted to put it in your cap. Not That's what you even. told me. No, you said I, you wanted yeah. to wear a trilby that <laughs> had the little word "press" sticking out of a yeah, card. I just want to be. Band. I want to be in the White House press section. You wanted to so have bad. a little thin notebook that you could <laughs> flip over and say, "Hey, what do you have? Excuse me, word for, word for, word for the best." You told me that, dude. Yeah, well, that's uh, okay, that's man. a glamorous. It's okay, to, it. it's okay to admit it. But but in a serious note, it's like this is like this is the shit that got me motivated, right? Is that like like I'm as someone that grew up on the internet, like I feel like there's a lot of like real world like kind of big capital p politics that's going on but at the same time it's connected to and sort of on the side that since we've been coming of age and it's only getting worse is that like so much of the shit about like you and i not being able to pay attention about us being like a bit like enraged about us just like having all these like shitty thoughts and opinions i do think a lot of it is like stemming from like this like unfettered You're right fucking monopolistic shit of like just pumping outrage into your fucking feed through these 
algorithms and no, i wait, think wha- sorry what were you saying i, was, I, f- <laughs> I said that you're no, a fucking I nazi dude <laughs> yeah no, well, I, I i i i i disagree but i think but that yeah. w- this is it's time it's i think whether we're ready for it or not like society is like it's time for something to happen and hopefully the biden administration will be a, a positive push towards that <laughs> no yeah yeah hopefully uh no that's cool yeah that's good shit uh Listen, Mac. I we I know we we had a whole other swath of stuff we wanted to talk about, but do you want to let's uh let's take a break and then uh come back and uh maybe do it, maybe don't. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. So Jonah, um, I heard that <laughs> New York indoor dining is coming back. Yeah, we're dining indoor. But uh, as a as a former waiter and service member, what do you think about all that? Well, Mac, it's funny you said because you know there's no su- just like there's no such thing as a former marine. There's no <laughs> such thing as a former waiter. <laughs> Once a waiter, always a waiter. And as a service, I am a service member. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. No. I've served this country as a waiter. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. I, I feel bad that I didn't say Can that. Can you say it one more time, actually? Thank you for your service. Do you want to actually start say the thing you said to me before um, and start saying, Jonah, thank you for your service? How do you feel about Don't make me do this. To Jonah, thank you for your service. All How right. do you feel about um, you. having to be thrust back into the oh front shit. lines of combat. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, Mac. You know me. You're embarrassing. I feel bad. I agree. I, mean, I agree. Man, I hard. agree that I I should be thanking myself. No, yeah. Um um Trumpian gargoyle uh, uh face uh, Italian freak uh <laughs> Andrew Cuomo. What's his name? <laughs> what a what a name. <laughs> is that his name, Andrew? Um Antonio. Andrew. No, it is Andrew. Yeah. I refuse to even know his first name. Wow. Why am I blanking? I guess I just know Cuomo and his nipple piercing. Allegedly. Because his his dad was Mario, right? That's the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a fucking bastard. I mean, did you see, like, there was a whole thing about how he was just, like, declared war, quote unquote, on his his own, like, health, his own, like, health and epidemiological staff? Really? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because he, they had a whole, apparently, like, the, the whole, um, you know, uh, New York State, which is like a pretty well-funded state government, um, <laughs> like had like a had a protocol in place for, um, in, for doing something like issuing a ma- a vaccine on a large scale, and Cuomo essentially rescinded the the their authority to do what they had planned to do, and said like, no, we're gonna do it my way. We're gonna focus it all on like the big hospital system. 
Okay. Of course, it's been a disaster. And then, of course, there's also like I don't, I'm sure if any of our listeners are in New York, there's also the question of like how many people died in nursing homes right. over the course of this pandemic, which has been like a very hushed up figure. Right. And the answer is a fucking ton. Dude, it's, it's, fu- like it's isn't it cr- isn't overnight. it crazy to me? And it's like I know the shit's complicated and all that, and I don't mean to diminish it, but it's like it is it's mass. it's crazy to me that like Andrew Cuomo was like heralded He's as like lionized. as yes. like as like the great guy when New York got fucked. Like, dude, New York has been destroyed. so fucked. I was here, like, we were both here during yeah. the height of the pandemic, and that shit was scary as fuck. Like, just sirens all day long, like, almost a thousand people dying a day, and all of a sudden, this guy is, like, heralded as, like, the, the dude who's, like, just telling facts. I, I get how that's, like, refreshing because, in the Trump era, no. but it's like, dude, yeah. But like, he's a fucking Trumpian figure himself, because he gets on the thing, and he just blusters, and he's like, hey, okay, listen, folks, uh, it's we true. got the fucking virus, and we're, we're not gonna <laughs> worry about how bad it is, because we're New York tough, all right? Now listen, okay, last time I said uh, maybe a couple hundred people died in nursing homes. All right, it's 7,000. All right, listen, <laughs> that's not my problem. Hey. And it's just like, dude, fuck you. He's a freak. Yeah, I mean, he is a, a fuck. He's a Trumpian authoritarian psycho. Um, it, it's really bizarre. Um, in any case, why are we talking about We're this? talking about this because you're about to have to <laughs> fucking put yourself in harm's danger again. Oh, yeah, should I you choose to, to like pour wine for selfish fucks who don't wear their mask and just want to eat their what's 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 the what's one of the, the most like ridiculous the pistachio pesto or yeah okay that they i've had that it's just delicious it's good this shit's tasty yeah i've been a waiter by trade it's one of the only useful skills that i've uh developed if you can even call it that and i will it's a skill it is a skill thank you mag i will soon be going back off the rules of unemployment um into uh into the breach, as it were, once more into the breach uh, of of brunch service. <laughs> so that's going to be me soon. And as of like tomorrow, it's like twenty five percent indoor dining capacity is opened up again, which yeah. to me is just so cool because it's like the logic is like it's like when you're like a kid or you're like a baby or something, and like the toilet overflows and like the moment it starts going down, you just like throw more of your toys and Legos in <laughs> so that it overflows again. It's like, okay, the thing that is happening because of our like total irresponsible approach to it and like the total lack of coordination um, and having people just going to businesses and, and restaurants and so forth, the moment that that starts to abate, we're just going to do it again. Right. And it's just like, hap- it's just like happened time and time again. Yeah. And like, Okay, like every time that we we like let our foot off the gas, you know, the car slows down and then we just like fucking pedal to the metal. And yeah, like, I guarantee you there's going to be like, you know, but dude, like, how do you feel about that? Like, do you feel, feel safe? Do you feel worried? Like, are you going to fucking um, bag chaser? So um, your mouth shut and your nose shut so I you don't will. breathe in COVID? Like, what? How, yeah, how do you I'm feel? I'm going to put on my hair shirt and I'm going to lash myself with my with um, my flail. Um, for for being such a stupid individual as to go to, for instance, go to the mall that I was explicitly told is open and I should go to to support local businesses, <laughs> and then be uh, yelled at by my governor for eating cheesecake or whatever, <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> I mean, it's just stupid. It's like, oh guys, like look, all these businesses, all these things are open and you should go to them. But also, if you do, you're a fucking fool and like a moral, right. a moral, uh, yeah, you're like a you're an ethical moron and a and like a, a criminal um and uh, 
good luck, by the way, with everything else, because we're not helping you with anything. Um, so anyway, Valentine's Day is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just to wind things down, I will be taking uh, my girlfriend, nice girl I met recently. I'm going to take her to uh, Delmonico's. Hell yeah. Uh, I don't think that's a real restaurant anymore, but I'm going to just take her somewhere. I'm going to insist that the waiter uh, blow out the candles on her one-year anniversary cake that I made up because we've only just met. <laughs> And spit all over our food. Starting things strong. Starting nice. things strong by pretending it's been more than a year. Yeah. Well, I'm taking Jonah. I'm taking your advice and going. What Sag Harbor is that? What you mentioned? Did you did you square that away? Yeah, I have a uh, an Airbnb set for there. So. Wow. So it'll be maybe you can do like the beginning of that movie Cloverfield where you do like <laughs> a, you'll do like a camera shot of like. Uh, you and your girl like at the beach like ah we love it and then in the m- in the background there'll be like a comet <laughs> hitting the sea and then several years later uh you know it will be a it will be some wretched sea 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 monster that comes out to claim us all the great thing is we don't have to stage it it's just going to happen it will happen <laughs> the great things are going all right um okay so that's our that's our i mean uh, again i want to i want to call out Whoever thought that this isn't a positive show? Come on. Come on, guys. We just told you we're going to have contact with alien life. <laughs> you know it. And they're on our side. By our side, I mean the podcast. They're on the podcast side. They're on me and Max's side. You, listener, that remains to be seen. Um, Mac, anything else? No, I think with that um, intimidating... Um, thought we can leave it for <laughs> that was a threat <laughs> we can leave it for next week we can leave it for next week all right see you later guys later Take y'all care. ciao